Welcome to the Soul Joy Mindset Podcast, the podcast that invites, empowers, and equips women with the tools to release the hustle and grind and embrace a life of ease and joy. I am your host, Teresa Timms, a lover of life, strategic thinker, theologian, storyteller, sexy, sassy, freedom seeker, and coach. In each episode of this podcast, we will explore a topic that will help you change your mindset and ultimately change every aspect of your life. So sit back and hear yourself, see yourself, and truly believe that it is possible to live a life that brings your soul joy. Why can't you commit to yourself? This may be a conversation that engages you to think differently. And so whatever you are coming into the space, thinking about, hoping for, my invitation is that you be compassionate and graceful with yourself, that you are grace-filled as we have this conversation, and that you're also honest. That it is in honesty that we have with ourselves that we are able to be in true dialogue with one another, but most importantly with ourselves. So why can't you commit to yourself? And this isn't a question of judgment. This isn't a question of um, me trying to point finger at you. It is a real question of what is hindering you from being able to commit to yourself? If self-commitment is something that you struggle with, what is getting in the way of you saying yes to you consistently? What is getting in the way of you prioritizing yourself consistently? What, who is getting in the way of you making sure that you are the priority on your to-do list? Not one time, not sometime, but consistently. And so that's what the conversation is about tonight. What I know about high achieving women is that we are running, managing, overseeing, playing point on so many areas in our lives. You are running your home, you are running your job, you are taking care of many people, many things, many responsibilities. And on the long list of responsibilities, what often happens is that you fall to the very end, that you um, negotiate and you deprioritize yourself over and over and over again. That if there is a sacrifice, you are willing to be the sacrificial lamb. If there is um, something that needs to be put off, you are more than willing to put yourself off. And that's what we want to talk about tonight, is that why is it that when it comes to the sacrifice, the compromise, the rescheduling, is it always you? Is it always you? And yes, the guilt associated with prioritizing yourself. We're going to get into it. I have many, many notes. So let's hop in. One of the, a few things that happen why we can't commit to ourselves, why we can't show up to ourselves is because 
somewhere along the line, the first thing is that we have been taught and socialized to believe that self-care is selfish, that taking care of ourselves is selfish. And this idea that taking care of ourselves, um, prioritizing our needs is selfish comes from a narrative of women are supposed to be sacrificial. If you've heard that before, you've heard some type of version of other people come before you, whether you've heard it in your faith community, whether you've heard it in your home, whether you have not heard it actually spoken, but it's been modeled for you over and over and over again that women are able to sacrifice, that that's what we do. We actually um, think about Mother's Day cards, think about... um, (laughs) Think about all of the songs about mamas. It's all about how much a mama sacrificed. My mama did. My mom. My mama worked five jobs. She didn't sleep. She never bought herself new shoes. She always, but she made sure everybody else was taken care of. How many people have heard the narrative about you know my mama? She she took care of everybody in the neighborhood. Like especially for Black and Brown women, like the mama narrative is always around. My mama was, she sacrificed, she laid her whole life down. She didn't go to school so her kids could go to school. She didn't do this because of this. And I actually wondered if our, if that generation of mothers had a space where they could honestly talk about what all that sacrifice cost them. What all that sacrifice actually cost them. How many dreams that they did not live into because they had to live off of this narrative of sacrifice. So if you grew up in a household with a mama and a big mama and an auntie and an abuela and a tia, um, these women figures always sacrificing all of the time, of course, You've picked up the narrative. You've picked up the story. You've picked up the script that in order for me to be a good daughter, a good mother, a good auntie, a good anything, I need to constantly sacrifice. Does does this ring true for anyone? Um, Songs, if you think about songs about that Boys to Men song about mama, it was always about the great sacrifice of motherhood, the, the great sacrifice of what that means. The, the narrative around mothering, it shows up in different ways. And then in the workplace, women are performing so much of the emotional labor in the workplace. Think about the people in your office or in your workspace who are doing the, the little cleanups and bringing in the food and organizing the area. Like if, if you think about administrative roles, how many of those administrative roles are occupied by male identified folks? How many? How many of those roles that are assistant roles and positions are occupied by male identified folks? If you look at Almost every organization on the administrative level, those roles are occupied by women because most secretarial job, most assistant jobs, and there's no shame in those jobs at all. I'm not placing shame on those jobs. I'm not placing worth on those jobs. What I'm saying is that though, something happens in just the social sphere of women in positions, they do the emotional labor. They do the emotional work. They remember all the things. They take care of everybody. And so we do it at home. We do it at work. We do it at the French group. And then we do it in our intimate relationships. If you push back or put boundaries in, it's like, oh no, 
this is what everybody did, so this is what I have to do. In um, a lot of black and brown communities, there is an adage that say, we love our boys and raise our girls, and we raise our girls to be responsible. So um, even if we do not have children, even if you haven't birthed children, there is this mothering aspect that you do, even in your intimate relationships. The person that you're partnered with, um, you are constantly going over and above because you have learned somewhere that self-care is selfish and you need to do all this work. So that is reason number one why you cannot commit to yourself is because you have been taught, you have been socialized. We live in a society that women's work is to be sacrificial and not to actually prioritize themselves. The second thing um, is that we have confused caring for people with rescuing people. I'll say that again. The second reason why we cannot commit to ourselves is because we have confused caring for rescuing. And so we find projects in people to rescue them. We are always there to save everyone else. And this place of rescuing other people, it totally puts us in the lifeguard role. It totally puts us in the role of someone needs me. I need to feel needed. And I need to feel needed by surrounding myself with my third point, needy people. Ooh, I'm going there. I'm going there. So point number two is that we can't we can't commit to ourselves because we have confused caring for people when we're actually doing a lot of work to rescue people. And that happens because of point number three. We have surrounded ourselves in needy relationships. Needy relationships, codependent relationships, transactional relationships, these relationships that people need you all the time. And so you are constantly putting on your red swimsuit and running out there like Baywatch to rescue people, rescuing people over and over and over again. And so if you are so busy rescuing, if you are so busy um, occupying needy people, of course you're exhausted. Of course you're tired. Of course you don't have any room to commit to yourself because you are swimming deep in the waters to rescue people all of the time. How many of you, think about it mentally, how many of you own a firefighter costume, um, a first aid kit, a doctor's stethoscope? You are playing emergency 911 all the time because we have engaged, we have taken on, we have attracted, uh-oh, we have attracted needy relationships. Because a lot of time, the stance that we go into the room is, is not as in, I am here to be in a healthy whole relationship. It is in, I am here to help and save and to rescue people because our worth has been seen in rescue, saving, taking care of other people. If you were to think about, um, even in dating relationships, I remember dating. I remember being in the dating world and almost being afraid to say what I wanted in a relationship. So I would like lay out the red carpets of all the things, you know, I am like all of the first responder attributes. I am playing them because I want you to like me. I want you to like me so much. Oh my gosh, I want you to fall in love with me. I want my friends to think I'm dependable. I want my friends to like, so I am doing all of the theatrics. I'm, so they call me for everything. And then I'm resentful because no one's checking in on me. 
Hello, no one's checking in on me. I'm resentful, but I've already, the advertisement that I've put out is that I'm, I'm readily available all the time, all the time. And we think, this moves me into um, my fourth point, we think that presenting ourselves as rescue responders, 911 emergency will make people like us. However, it just makes people use us. It just makes people use us. That's not reciprocated. It's not reciprocated. And then we're hurt and we're angry and we're resentful when that's not reciprocated. But that's all we advertised. We didn't put any other demands. We didn't place any other markers in the relationship. And so that's what we have. So we can't commit to ourselves because um, of neediness in relationships and we confuse rescue and caring. Number four. We don't realize, we can't commit to ourselves because we don't realize that we teach people how to treat us. We teach people how to treat us. So if you are constantly treating yourself like you don't need anything, you know, people are like, how are you doing? Do you need anything? No, I don't need nothing. If that's your constant answer all the time, then people are going to start treating you like I don't need nothing. If you are constantly acting like everything's always together all the time and you never state any needs, if you never state any boundaries, you are already modeling for people that you don't need nothing. And so they're going to treat you like you don't need nothing. We teach people how to treat us. And when we teach people how to treat us, we cannot be surprised when they start treating us as thus. So this is why you can't commit to yourself. Number five. Then there's the opposite. We then expect people to take care of us. So you haven't stated what you needed. You haven't set any type of criteria in place. You haven't done anything to make yourself fully human. And so we're like, well, this person didn't take care of me. This person didn't do that. Did you ask them to? Did you make it plain that you needed them to? And so these are all the reasons why we can't commit to ourselves why we can't show up to ourselves. Um, and it all boils down to our worth. You know, number five is really, we can't commit to ourselves because we don't think that we're worthy of the time and the love and the energy and the tension that we give to everybody else. We don't think we're worthy of the, of the somersaults that we do for everybody else. We don't think that we could, should do somersaults for ourselves. We don't think we're worthy of that good home cooked meal that you cooked for somebody else that person that you're courting or dating, you don't think you're worthy of a good home-cooked meal. You don't think you're worthy of some time off to be left alone. You don't think you're worthy of somebody to take care of you, of somebody to check in with you. So because you don't think you're worthy of it, you don't ask for it, you don't state it aloud, you don't make it part of your relationships, and so you cannot commit to yourself. The truth is, the bigger, bigger truth is that... Um, you ready for it? <laughs> People who can't control themselves make it their job to control everybody else. People who can't control themselves make it their priority to control everyone and everything else. So if I have occupied my time, my energy, my money, my talents, my worth into controlling everything else around me, then I don't have the time to do the work that's required for me to commit to myself. I, I literally do not have the time. 
And so many women, we are busy bodies. We are busy. We are, we are exhausted. And you know why we're exhausted? Because we are running in this hamster wheel and we don't have it. We don't have the time to give to ourselves. We don't. So those five points, I'll run through them really quick. And then I want to give you some pointers. The number one thing is we've confused um, being selfish with um, self-care. We've confused rescuing with caring. We base our relationships on need. We have these needy codependency relationships. Um, we don't realize that we model for people how we need to be treated. We, we, we model for them. And so if we model, we don't need anything. People are going to treat us like we don't need anything. And that number five is we don't know our worth, so we can't commit to ourselves. And so how do we move out of this? How do we move from this space of overcommitting to everyone else with no time, energy, or nothing for ourselves? We put on our big girl draws, the sexy ones, not the not the granny ones, but the the, the pretty ones, the ones that match the bra, the one that the one that you feel confident in. We put on those. And then we commit to ourselves. And this commitment is not about a one time, not just on your birthday, not just when um, you got a boo, not just when um, you you've, you like lost five pounds or gained five pounds, it's not when the bank account is full. This is how do you have a mindset of committing to yourself day in and day out. The same way you commit to your car note, the same way you can commit to getting your nails filled, the same way you commit to checking on mama and daddy, the same way you commit to the boo thing is the same way plus more add interest and then multiply that, that you commit to yourself. Let's hop into it. The number one thing that is required if you want to commit to yourself is that you have to do the work to have an awareness of who you are. It is hard to make a commitment to something that you don't know anything about. Think about it. When is the last time you've made a commitment to something that you don't know anything about it? Get to know yourself. Have a level of emotional intelligence about yourself. And that requires you to sit your ass down somewhere. That requires you to get silent. That requires you to do some journaling. That requires you to get brutally honest with, Michael Jackson said, the man in the mirror. It requires you to get brutally honest with the woman in the mirror. You, naked and unafraid, looking at yourself and saying, girl, what do you need? What turns you on? You know what's fascinating in intimacy is that we want someone else to come and turn us on, to push our buttons, to make us tingle. And it's like, we have no idea what turns ourselves on. So then we expect some stranger to come out of the blue and push the right buttons to make us giggle and jump and, and feel something. And it's like, I, I want to know what turns me on. I don't, want, I don't need you playing blind eye detective on me to figure out what I want. I'm going to tell you what I want. And if you stumble across something that I didn't know about, that's a bonus. But I, I want to know myself. I want to have um, a confidence about my own body, about my own needs, about my own emotional well-being so that I can take care of myself. So number one is be self-full, not selfish, but self-full. Be full of yourself. I'm not talking about cockiness and arrogance, but being full of a knowledge of yourself. I am able to commit to myself because I've done the work. I am doing the work in therapy every single week, every single day of getting to know me, of getting to know myself. And that is hard, 
hard work. Date yourself. Turn yourself on. Talk sexy to yourself. Um, put lotion on yourself. Dress up. Have get throw away all the underwear with holes in them. Um, all the things like all of the and the thing about um, self care. What I think is is absolutely priority for me around self care is that self care for me is about integrity. I'm gonna take care of myself regardless if anybody is watching or not. I don't do this for the gram. I don't do this for the husband. I don't do this for the girlfriends. I do this for me. What do you do for yourself when no one else is watching? That's self-care. What do you do for yourself that you don't have to post about, that you don't have to, other people don't know about? I work out regardless of if I post it on the gram or not. I am a, I'd go to therapy and I don't have to put my therapy sessions on the gram. What do you do for yourself that you have integrity about that you do when no one else is watching? That is self-care. How you treat yourself, how you talk to yourself without an audience, that is integrity around it. So that's the number one thing. Number two, um, the second thing was we we deal we um, we we confuse caring for people with rescuing people. How we need to learn how to resource people, how to point people in the right re, on the right way of the resources and bless them as they go. I don't need to be the sole source of your healing. That is your work to do. We cannot do other people's work for them. So I am going to. I'm not going to flat out tell you no, but I'm also not here to be your savior. I can barely save myself. So I will point you in the direction of the resource and realize that that is the extent of the work that I can do. How do we go from rescuing people to resourcing people? And what that means is that we have to move our ego out of the way so we can say that I don't need to be needed by this person in this way. We can have a relationship that's not needy, that's not codependent. I will do the best thing that I can do for them is point them to the resources so that they can get the help that they need and so that I can do the work that I need to do for myself. Resourcing people actually helps you set a boundary. But if someone is constantly coming to you, have a conversation about what is it, what's the way that you can help resource them so that you are not burning yourself out, saving somebody who is not interested in doing the work. You up, you up staying up all night, praying on the altar, um, sacrificing your rent money, your vacation money for someone who is absolutely not worried about themselves. How can you be more worried about people than that person is worried about themselves? Hello, Sway. If they ain't worried, why are you staying up all night worrying? Why are you sacrificing your good sleep, your good time, your vacation leave, your weekends for someone who is not willing to do the work for themselves? And we do it because it keeps us busy. It keeps us busy and we don't have to focus on ourselves if we are all in Cousin Tasha's business. But I'm going to stop on that one. The third thing <laughs> is about our relationships. Are your relationships needy? Are your relationships codependent? Stop and do relationship audit. And I know audit is a strong, strong word, but we so engage in, in things, you know, we make them rote that we just fall into it. We've been friends since fifth grade. We've been friends for five or six years and we don't sit down and really think, 
like, how is this, how is this relationship working for me? Every relationship doesn't need to be, you know, transactional. This, you know, I'm not one of the people that I'm cutting people off. I have friends. I've had friends that I've had ever since I was a child. I, I believe in friendships. Friendships matter to me. But I also sort of learned like, okay, what, what is this relationship? What, what role does this relationship play in my life? I like to say the analogy that I like to use about this is that, um, I don't do all my grocery shopping at at Trader Joe's, nor Whole Foods, nor Target. I buy things all around. And that's what our relationships, there are some people in our lives that meet different needs and that is okay. But you need to be honest about that. There are people in your life that they, they're not gonna meet all the needs, they're not supposed to. But there may be some relationships that we, that we spend a lot, a lot of time in that we may be like, okay, I realize this is my hangout and movies friend. These are my workout and money friends. This is my group over here that we talk about career stuff, but understanding what those relationships are in your life. The fourth part is like we treat, we teach people how to, how to treat us. How, how do you commit to yourself is that you become a supermodel. What do I mean by that? You become a supermodel in modeling relationships modeling what you need, modeling how you want people to treat you, you become the supermodel in your own life. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for you? Maybe you become a supermodel of, you know, like, this is how much time I'm going to spend to this because I'm working on my PhD, or this is my boundary around shopping or eating out, or this is my boundary around gossiping, or this is my boundary around whatever it is you model. So I, I, I work out every morning. That is what I do. I spend time on my body every single morning and I model for my friends. I model for my family. I model for people around me that if first thing in the morning, what am I doing? Y'all know what I'm doing. First thing in the morning, I'm taking care of myself. That is how I, I've modeled that. It is what I do. It is my, it, it's how I take care of myself. I model how I eat. I model how I engage. I model how I spend my money. I do that because I am a supermodel in my life. Not conceit, not cockiness, but I model for other people what's important for me. And you can do the same in your life. Become the supermodel in your life. And that shows people how to treat you. So you've heard me talk about this before. You cannot say that you have a boundary and you're constantly running over your own boundary. You cannot say, I don't, I don't work on Saturdays and you are constantly at work on Saturday. You cannot say I'm saving my money and you are constantly spending money. Like you, you are the keeper of your boundaries. That goes back into, um, number one, I want to touch on this really, really quick. Um, well actually it goes, it goes into the next part of, I am responsible for my own triggers. I am responsible for my own work. When you have people in your life who have healthy relationship with themselves, who have healthy therapy, who know themselves really well, you are not constantly tiptoeing around them. You have people in your life that you are tiptoeing around because you don't know when they're going to pop off. They're extra sensitive. They're extra moody. You're constantly checking in with them. Are you okay? What's going on? How are you doing? You can't go on a trip with them because they show their ass. You can't go to the restaurant with them because they show their ass. You can't. I mean, is it, is it just me or do you all have people in your life where like they have not done the work that they need to do? So you are constantly having to take care of them. People like that become a liability because you just never know. You never know when they're gone, when they're going to be in one of their moods. You like 
And my thing is that that is not other people's responsibility. It is my responsibility to manage my triggers. It is my responsibility to manage my triggers. It's my responsibility to manage what 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 I need. I'm telling I there I, there there's there are people in my life you constantly you okay? What's wrong? Every time they they moping around for no reason like ah uh, 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 just if, 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 if something is upsetting you just say what's upsetting you the heavy breathing you sound like a scary movie like the heavy breathing does this if you are going to be around and you look like you just ate a lemon just go home why did you come why did you come why did you come why are you here those type of people are exhausting and if you are not aware of your emotions if you are not aware of yourself you are constantly putting the work on other people to check in with your grown ass Nobody got time for that. Nobody has time for that. It is disruptive. It is draining. It is draining. Do the work that you need to do so that you can be in healthy relationships. If you know that somebody get on your nerves or if you don't have the capacity for it, it is your responsibility to do that. Everybody should not be walking around on eggshells around you all of the time. If you've reached a 10, it is your responsibility to then say, you know what, y'all? I'm tired. We, we, we've been doing this for too long. I need, I, I need to step away because I, I'm not feeling this anymore. People can respect that. People can roll with that. But if you're not doing the work, you are constantly putting the onus of other people to check in with you. And then you wonder why people don't invite you to the party. But that's another thing. And then like, you know, the last point is like trusting your worth. Trusting, trusting your worth. Where do you, where do you get your worth from? Um... I say no one is more important than the people who live in this house. If you've ever been to our house, our house is clean because I want a clean house. I don't have to clean up before people come over. You can come to our house any time of day. It's going to be clean. There may be some Macy O'Hare around here, but it's going to be clean. Um, no one is more important than the people in my house. Me. I, I try to really treat myself good because I am worthy of it. You are worthy of it. You are worthy of the goodness and love and joy and gentleness and forgiveness and grace that you give to everyone else. So I'm not finished. I'm almost there. I promise. We can't commit to ourselves because of people pleasing. We want to make everybody else happy. We let people run over us. We don't have boundaries. So people pleasing getting the way. But what, what I know about people who are people pleasers, they're actually doing the opposite. When I encounter someone who is a people pleaser, I actually don't like to be around them because people pleasing to me is manipulative. I read, if you are willing to sacrifice who you are so that people can like you, I don't trust that. I don't trust that... Um, you have a, a strong enough base. It makes me suspicious of a friendship with you because it's like, what are you compromising for people to like you? What are you compromising in yourself so that you can have friends? That right there, for a person, if you actually, you know, we talk about people being thirsty. If you are around people who have this thirsty, scarcity type mentality, it actually repulses you. So, People pleasing is actually doing the opposite of what you think you're doing it. The people who are attracted to people pleasers are 99.9% are .9 users. They are people who like to use people. So they are attracted to those type of people. I like people with boundaries because what I know is, oh, you know how to take care of yourself. Oh, I like when people tell me no. You know why? Because that means you have a keen awareness of what you need. 
People who are always easygoing, whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever, whatever. Mm-mm. No, thank you. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to do that. Um, the other thing I wanna I wanna touch on really, really quick, um, and then I'll be finished. Is we can't commit to ourselves because there's this mentality of of I'm I'm treating myself and treating ourselves, and I'm putting that in air quotes. Treating ourselves is superficial self care. That's not real self care. This place of I'm always treating myself. If you are constantly treating yourself. That means that your baseline is 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 way off. Like I don't need to constantly treat myself. My life is a treat. The treat that I give myself is the discipline of taking care of myself. That's the treat that I give myself. The treat that I give myself is going to the doctor and making sure I keep my doctor's appointment. The treat that I give myself is this baseline of goodness. So I don't need to overindulge. But there's this superficial language of self-care that I need to treat myself that, that, that only is just you indulging in the thing that you wanted to do anyway. That ain't a treat. That's actually a detriment. If you are constantly treating yourself, what is that really about? So you can't commit to yourself because you, things are so off balance that the treats are actually indulgences. And I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe that's going a little bit way further off of this. But this place of you cannot commit because the baseline is off. Your baseline is off. How do you deal with the guilt from saying no? I actually don't have a lot of guilt about saying no um, because, and that's a great question. I actually don't have a lot of guilt about saying no because if me saying yes is stretching me too thin, then my yes is actually ill-placed. If I tell you, um, you hear that, if I tell, if you ask me, can you borrow a thousand dollars? And I know that me giving you a thousand dollars is actually going to make it hard for me to pay my rent or buy groceries or pay my car insurance. Me saying yes to you is actually putting me in a deficit. So I'm going to say no to that because I'm harming myself. I'm sacrificing myself for you. And I'm just not into the constant self-sacrificing all the time. And because I model healthy boundaries, because I model the life that I want to live, because I am the supermodel in my life, I don't have to say a lot of no's because people don't come to me with bullshit. Hello? I'll say that again. I actually don't have to say a lot of no's because people do not come to me with a bunch of shit. They don't. So I don't really say a lot of no's in my life. Because people don't waste my time because people know I value my time. People don't waste my money because people know I value my money. People don't disrespect my space because people know I respect my space. People don't talk to me sideways or any kind of ways because people know I model that. I model that for people. So I don't, I don't have to give a lot of no's. And I actually don't mind saying no's if it's going to stretch me too far. Because what's the use of me gaining the whole world and losing my soul and losing my house <laughs> and being late on my rent. <laughs> What's the use? What's the use? Um, so yeah, if you realize that you're going around saying a lot of no's, think about what you're modeling for other people. But that's a really, really good question. A really good question. Another question that somebody um, asked me around commitment was, um, like how how have I what makes me consistent? Why have I been so consistent? Um, 
A part of it is my personality. I am a organized routine person. That is just a part of my personality type. So I'll, I'll name that. I have an organized personality. Always have, always will. Like I am organized about it. But what I realized was that I was giving everybody the best of me. Everybody had the best of me. And so my work had the best of me. Um, my raggedy ass first marriage had the best of me. My kids had the best of me. My family had the best of me. And then I would come home and I would actually, some days, I remember talking about this with my therapist. Some days I wouldn't even remember how I got to work or how I got home because I would be driving, my, my mind would be someplace else and I would have navigated Washington DC traffic and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm just not present. And I was like, I am missing out on my own goodness. I'm, you know how you cook a real delicious meal and everybody else eat and you ain't had nothing? So you starving, so you eat and take out food. Everybody else had your gourmet, home-cooked, big mama's recipe and you haven't had a bite because you've given it all away. I became resentful of that and I realized like I wanted it for myself. And so I really started thinking, how do I how do I give from my overflow? How do I give from my overflow? And so that's what made me committed of um and also that's what made me an early morning person. Um I I realized that I needed to prioritize myself. And the only time I could do that was in the morning. And I didn't want to have an excuse for why I couldn't do it. If I could not give myself 30 minutes or an hour out of a whole 24 hours, something was wrong. If I didn't have anything for myself after a whole 24 hours, I mean nothing. If I couldn't give myself a 30 minute walk, and this, I was with Girl Trek. I was at my absolute highest weight, almost like 480 pounds. And Girl Trek was like, you could do 30 minutes. You could like girls trek um girl treks um challenge is 30 minutes of walking every day. And when I was like, well, I don't have time. I don't have time. And it was like, you mean to tell me out of an entire 24 hours I do not have 30 minutes for myself? It broke my heart. It made me sad. It made me sad. And I was like, you know what? I can't walk far, I can't walk fast. I feel embarrassed of my weight because I'm gonna be huffing and puffing and out of breath. I don't wanna walk with anybody else. So I'm just gonna walk by myself. I'm gonna do it early in the morning and I'm just gonna commit every day to 30 minutes. And before you knew it, every day 30 minutes turned into 45 minutes. That one mile turned into two miles, that two miles turned into a 5K and the story continues. But it really started with me being angry that I had nothing for myself, nothing. I paid everybody else's rent car notes, rims on their car, and I hadn't gone on a single vacation because I couldn't save any money. And it was like, how is that possible? That I can give money to everybody else, but I can't squirrel away enough dollars and cents for me to take a single vacation somewhere. I don't have to go anywhere exotic, but somewhere where I was living, not even paycheck to paycheck, the day, the day before to the day right before the next paycheck. I barely making the ends meet. But here I was going over and anybody asked me, yes, 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 I was giving, giving, giving. And I just became resentful. And what, what, what is life if you're living it resentful? What does it mean that you're giving and doing and you're angry doing it? That ain't the right spirit to do it in. And so I just started saying I'm worth 30 minutes of my day every day. And that's my thing now. I'm worth at 90 minutes of my day every day. And 
at first it was an, an inopportune time. I was a single parent. I was parenting. And early in the morning was the only time that I had. But guess what? It was mine. It was my time. My child didn't need me early in the morning. My job didn't need me early in the morning. I had zero excuses. And so I made it happen. And now I can't imagine not doing it. It's become who I am now. Um, the other question somebody asked me was, what was the tipping point? Like, what was the tipping point? So in my stories, my stories talked about me and my weight. And I have survived um, sexual abuse. I've survived physical abuse. I've survived what it means to be a black woman growing up in Mississippi, not having, um, you know, food was therapy. Nobody went to therapy. Nobody talked about therapy when I was growing up. So we ate. You eat at the funeral. You eat at the wedding. You eat, 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 eat. And so that's what I did with my life. That's how I handled stress. I went to grad school. I went to undergrad. That's what you do. You eat, 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 eat. And food became such a central part of my life. And I'm not even a foodie. Food was just food. Actually, food and sugar, if you do the science of food, science of nutrition, sugar has the same type of endorphin as like cocaine, the way that it speaks to your body. Um, sugar detox is so hard because of the way that it's so addictive. And so that was my relationship with food. And my tipping point, my tipping point, what made me say, I want to live more than anything else. I want to live more than anything else was my sister dying. And when my sister died at 40 years old, I was 32. She died on my birthday. Um, what spoke to me was how much life she didn't have to live. And I, ha I had everything that I needed, everything that I needed in that I, I wanted to live I wanted to live and not just survive, not just barely make it, not make it and like be on the edge. I wanted to thrive. I wanted to live a full life. I didn't want to spend my life watching other people on social media, reading about it in essence, watching it on Oprah. I wanted to go out there and live. And my motto became, <laughs> I would rather die doing something big and audacious than sitting on my couch. I don't want to be found dead on my couch, eating bonbons, watching Jerry Springer. Like I want to be out in the world. And that drive of people dying around me drove me. That was my tipping point. And also I was raising a kid who'd already, his mama had already died. He didn't need another unhealthy adult in his life. Um, he needed somebody to live. And so I didn't want to live for him. I wanted to live for myself. And I wanted to model for him what it meant for me to be healthy, body, mind, and spirit, mind, body, spirit, all of it. Are you the superhero in everyone's life but your own? Are you exhausted, overwhelmed, and feel stuck in a cycle of working hard with nothing to show for it? Are you stressed, struggling with your health, lack intimacy, and a sense of personal fulfillment? This episode is brought to you by my Soul Joy Coaching six-month signature mindset program that empowers women who are ready to break toxic cycles and unhealthy habits so that they can claim their identity and voice to show up to life unapologetically. We use a curriculum and framework that is grounded in joy and centers vision, strategy, community, and an abundance of love and encouragement. I guarantee you that Soul Joy Coaching will change your life. If you're ready for joy, let's talk. Visit my website, www.teresatims.com and take my joy assessment. This assessment will give you insight and help you to identify patterns and your growing edges. 
Use this score as information to help you take the next faithful step in claiming joy in your life. Go ahead, book a call today to get your score at www.teresatims.com.